Good evening, kind listeners. Mike Lawrence here with Let Me Tell You a Story. Tonight, the opening of Chapter 4 from Unchosen. Having discovered the postman's secret, Peppy struggles to understand what he should do next while his mother presses him for the truth. The next night, Peppy sat across the table from his mother, watching the candlelight dance across his plate of potatoes and bread. They had run out of rationed meat, and since the bombing, they both knew they had to let the rabbits repopulate their cages. It would be months before he would again taste his mother's delicate variations on the theme, civet de lapine, braised rabbit in olive oil, batter-fried rabbit. His mouth watered as he thought of those delicacies, another reminder of a life that was quickly slipping into the darkened closet of the past, he with the key in his hand, not ready to lock it. Not just yet. For now, he enjoyed the quiet of her eyes as she sipped her red wine, the one link to that past that never seemed to run dry, while he sipped the cool elixir of well water, basking in the respite it gave him from the past few days still whirling in his mind. He hadn't yet gone to the Stamfuhrer. He didn't know exactly why. What he told himself was that he had to think about it to make sure— because he had the sense that once he did, he would cross a threshold that would disappear behind him and fall into a part of his past that was an endless abyss where things went that could never be found again. He also had to admit to himself that he was scared. He had a vague foreboding about some chain of events that would ensue that he would not predict, but would lead him to places where his mother would never be able to find him again. Such was the sacrifice of duty, but he wanted to put it off for at least one more night while his mother showed him soft eyes and her warm smile, one more night where she saw him as just her little boy, not the hero of the Fountain Square, the pride of the Stam. One more glass of wine, one more sleepy cavern of silence in front of the crackling fireplace while she stroked his hair and the sparks chased each other up the flue. One more night of not having to think of anything more important than whether or not to stir from her sleepy embrace and fetch another log. One more night. He blinked, jolted from his reverie by a harsh knock at the door. Hard, fast rappings, as if whoever was on the porch was running from wolves and needed to rush into the living room, panting, and slam the door behind them. His mother looked at the door, set her glass down, and waited. Another round of knocking. Still, she waited. Once it was done, she flew out of her chair, ran across the living room, and opened the door just a crack to see who was standing on her porch. Peppy's heart jumped, and all thoughts of the evening's respite, the meal, his mother's soft eyes, the fire, they all leapt away from him as his vision tunneled when he heard her say the postman's name. Hans, what is it? She opened the door and stepped aside, beckoning the postman into the living room. Peppy caught a glimpse of the man's face before he had to look away, wishing he could disappear into a hole that would open up right there in his mother's kitchen to rescue him from that moment. The postman's face was creased with worry. His eyes darted around the room. Sweat had broken out on his forehead. For his part, 
The postman didn't seem to notice Peppy, and he certainly didn't seem concerned that the boy who held the postman's life in his hands was sitting right there in front of him. He didn't know. Peppy felt a rush of jagged elation at that thought, but it was like a wild horse that he had somehow roped in the fields. He held the rope tightly, but the horse bucked and whinnied, and Peppy knew it would jerk him off the ground and fling him into the sky. It was one thing to rope a horse. It was another to know what to do with it. I'm sorry to come to you uninvited, Fra Engel, but I was told you could be trusted. Peppy's ears perked up at the words, and he cringed at what he was about to discover. His mother turned towards Peppy and stared at him with a harsh look that told him the horrors of a wrath he had never known should he not obey her very will at that moment. She held a finger up to her lips, and her eyes narrowed. He gulped and nodded just once. She turned back to the postman. Yes, I recognize the knock. Whoever sent you knows who I am. You can trust me. She put a hand on the man's elbow and gently guided him to the couch. He sat down slowly, quietly, so as not to disturb what was left of the domestic harmony she still labored to maintain in her shrinking corner of the world. It's about my daughter, he said. Peppy's mother glanced at Peppy again, the same harsh look in her eye telling him to never repeat what he was about to hear, and then angled away from him so he couldn't see her face. Go on, she said. I don't know how to explain this, but I have been discovered. What makes you think so? You're the postman. Everybody trusts you. The SS have replaced the Crippo guards at the camp. Her mouth fell open a little, and she tilted her head slightly. Why would they do that? I don't know. We have a working arrangement with them, but I don't know how much longer that will last. She arched her brow, asking him to tell more. He shook his head and glanced at the floor. It's particularly difficult for Petrina. She nodded slowly, not wanting to believe what he was implying but knowing better. War brought out the worst in some, even as it brought out the best in others. Do you have anywhere you can go? She asked. Not anymore. Since leaving Munich, I have lost touch with the few families left in our caravan. Traveling has become too dangerous, even at night. Besides, what better place could we find than here? Where else would we find a Frau Angle? He smiled sadly and bowed his head, a gesture of humility she knew pained him severely. Dignity was the first casualty of war, and she sometimes wondered if it was the greatest loss of all. Pepe watched the man's face in the shadows of the living room. His mother had not lit one of the kerosene lamps that usually showed the faces of visitors. A grim smile. The man held his hands out, palms up. I'm sorry, she said. I'm new at this sort of thing as well. I forgot that there are questions I shouldn't ask. Please forgive me. She took the postman's hand. What do you need? The postman shook his head and let out a sigh, relieved at her kindness, but embarrassed at risking her by contacting her this way. It might not be anything, but just in case, I need to know if there is a place for... His words trailed off, and he let out an exasperated sigh. 
Pepe saw, then, the look of a man who could not fight back, a man who could only run, a man who had no place to turn except for his mother's living room, a man whose world had been turned upside down. A river of confusion flooded Pepe's mind, but he could not think of any questions to ask to try and wrestle into place some profound truth unfolding in front of his very eyes. The horse bucked and ripped the rope from his hands. His mother spoke softly, resolutely, proclaiming her stake on some island of defiance for any in the world who might want to know. Petrina is welcome in this home any time. She can stay here for as long as she needs. The man's eyes grew wet, and he clamped his mouth into a thin frown. It could be for some time he said, a very long time. Nobody spoke for several moments. The man looked at Pepe's mother with a mask of anguish that carved ever deeper into stone, unmoving, unrelenting. Pepe thought of the girl's eyes he had seen the night before, and he understood that anguish. The thought of losing even that one moment, gazing into her eyes tucked in the shadows, told him everything the man was feeling in that moment, except that Pepe understood there were years of a father's love for his daughter behind that etched stone. Whatever Pepe had felt in that moment was just a glimpse into the heart of a man, now crushed and beaten because losing her meant losing everything he had left that made his life worth living. Pepe could understand that, could even imagine how he would feel if he ever saw those eyes again. And then he didn't have to imagine it as a familiar pang knifed its way through his heart. For as long as she needs, his mother said again. The man nodded, his chest heaving as he let out the breath he had held back, waiting for just that answer. Thank you, he said. He smiled sheepishly and stood up. The man pinched his lip and then looked at Peppy. He stepped out of the living room and looked down at him. You will like Petrina, the postman said. She isn't much older than you, and she is a wonderful cook. Peppy blinked, not sure what to make of the postman's clumsy words, not realizing that the man was trying to apologize for intruding on his life. The postman cocked his head and said softly, And she knows how to keep to herself. She won't be a bother. Peppy looked at his mother, whose stern gaze darkened even more. Pepe stood up and studied the postman's face. He wasn't as old as he looked, the years added by the strain of running from his own life because it had been taken from him. I'm sure it won't come to that, Mr. Metbach, but if it does, my mother and I will help. He stuck out his hand and waited. The postman hesitated, then smiled forlornly because he didn't have any other choice. He shook Pepe's hand. Thank you. Pepe nodded his head, thinking how to say his next words without them being misunderstood. Still holding the postman's hand, he said, You should have registered. The postman's hand slipped away, and a look of desperation came over his face. He bent down so he could look at Pepe more closely and said, I know, but I had no choice. He nodded somberly. So yes, this is my fault. I can't change that now. 
Pepe wanted to tell him that it really wasn't his fault. Understanding the policies his Fondline Fuhrer lectured about day in and day out made sense until he had to reconcile them with a man aged beyond his years because he was trying to protect his daughter. He told himself it wouldn't be like that if the man had simply followed the rules, but it didn't make him feel any better. But Pepe didn't say anything. He simply smiled and politely nodded. The postman turned back to Pepe's mother. I'm sorry to disturb you at this hour. Thank you for seeing me. Pepe's mother gently guided the postman to the door and peeked outside before letting him walk out onto the porch. Be safe, she said. The postman nodded once and walked out onto the porch as she gently closed the door behind him, holding the latch open until the door was fully closed. Only then did she let the knob turn back to close the latch. Peppy was still watching the door, trying to understand everything that had just happened, when his mother whirled around and stomped towards him. Kneeling down in front of him, she grabbed both of his shoulders and peered at him with a fiery glare that told him she would not relent this time. Her voice was coarse, ragged, a voice he had not heard before, reminding him again that if he did not yield to her will at that very moment, did not surrender every fiber of his being to her command, that he would endure a wrath rivaling that of the Stamfuhrer himself. What did you do last night, Peppy? What did you do? Peppy blinked, still wheeling from what he had seen. His mother, somehow involved in helping a man like the postman. The words, you can trust me, wheeled in his mind over and over. The postman, now fearing for his daughter's life, it all seemed like so much lamenting over spilt milk. They all seemed so much more worried than necessary. What exactly were they afraid of? The police weren't going to come and take them in the night over a sack of stolen food. A fine, perhaps a short time in the city jail. They would have to register. The worst thing that could happen was that the postman would lose his job, and they would both have to go work on the farms. Not the worst of fate when men like his father froze to death in Russia which, as far as Pepe was concerned, was exactly what should happen to the SS soldier. There was no question in his mind the soldat should have been sent to the Eastern Front, where he belonged. And that's all there was to it. What about all this had brought such terror to the man's eyes and his mother's promise to protect his daughter? What was he missing? She shook him, demanding his attention, demanding for him to see her gaze burrowing into him as fiercely as the Stamfuhrer's own ominous gaze lashing out from across the desk. Answer me, Peppy, what did you do? The smell of fear still lingered in the house, and Peppy felt his stomach tighten as he thought of the girl. He knew it could never come to such a thing, but he did imagine her being ripped from her father's arms and crying out for him as he was taken away for his crime, taken away to some place Peppy couldn't imagine for a time too long to make sense. But he saw all of that in his mother's eyes, declaring to him that some power beyond his awareness had been unleashed. She was afraid. What would she do if she knew what he had seen that night, even though it was still his secret? and his alone. I can't tell you, Mama. I have to take it to the Stamfuhrer. You know this. What did you do? She screamed. 
Pepe grew quiet inside. He sighed. He wasn't sure what he would do with his secret, but he couldn't tell her that. So he lied. Nothing to do with what you and the postman were talking about, he said. What then? she demanded. Just some boys rummaging through some backyards in the village. They were out after curfew, and I thought they might be stealing from the neighbors. His mother pulled back from him a few inches, her brows knitting with puzzlement. The stern ferocity that had lashed out at him faded. Boys? Where? Suddenly, Pepe realized he could capitalize on both his lie and what had actually happened, sliding one into the other. The townhouse is on the east side. His mother turned away and studied the floor, her eyes motionless as the wheels in her mind spun, groping for an answer that he hoped led her away from him and towards a more benign mystery. Turning back to him, she released her grip, and her voice came back gently, as if she had exercised a spirit. All right. Why didn't you tell the constable? The question took Pepe by surprise, and he had to fight the urge to look away. Instead, he kept his eyes fixed on hers, the way the Fonlinefuhrer had taught him. Always look a person in the eye when you speak to them. He searched desperately for his next lie, and had to keep from boyishly yelping when he discovered it. There, H.J., the matter needs to be taken up directly with the Stamfuhrer. It's within his jurisdiction, not the constable's. Have you heard anything? she asked. About the postman? No, nothing. Her gaze floated around the room, and her mouth opened slightly as she worked through the scenarios and paths that could lead away from his lie and into the darkened doorway of the postman's daughter. He could see now that she would go to the same lengths to protect that girl as she would to protect him. His mother's embrace reached wider than he could ever have imagined. He resented that somehow, but at the same time he felt relieved, knowing that his mother watched over the girl, who had looked at him through the darkness, capturing a part of him that still lingered in the forest, looking across the field and into the shimmering eyes of a girl he had never met. She stood up and walked back to her chair at the kitchen table, sat down and took a long drink from her wine glass. She looked at him with soft eyes and smiled. Well, let's finish our dinner then, and later we'll build a new fire. Pepe looked at her, feeling that something now stood between her soft eyes and his own, the question that lingered in the air, a question that would never be answered. He smiled sadly, sat down, and drank the last of the cool, sweet well water from his glass. The question hovered there, just over the candles, refusing to subside and leave them be. Did she believe him? This has been episode nine of Let Me Tell You a Story. Copyright 2020, Michael J. Lawrence, all rights reserved. Music tonight comes from Adieu, Adieu. Be sure to join us next Tuesday at 5 Eastern for the conclusion of chapter four from Unchosen.